You're listening to Chasing the Word on Compassion Radio. Good morning, honey. It's time for Compassion Radio's Chasing the Word. We're in the Songs of Ascent from Psalms. Like all of our series, it seems to be a little bit longer than we expected, but we get to <laughs> camp on some of these scriptures for a while and enjoy them. So we will do the same for the last few of these Songs of Ascent, but this is a short one. We expect to do one program on this particular psalm because it's so short. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the microphone. Thank you. Today's psalm, we're just about halfway from the beginning and halfway toward the end. We're getting there. We're almost there, and this is so exciting, and it's it's a song of praise. Yeah. And it's also a song of remembrance. It reminds them of where they have come from. Again, like many of them do, what God has done for them on their journey and in their past history. Yeah. And if you need a reason to praise God, we'll give you a few in the psalm. Yeah. Now, I'm saying it's kind of in the middle or halfway there does not mean that we're talking about distance. We've spent a lot of our early studies on the Songs of Ascent just dealing with the trip to get to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. The lion's share of these songs are short choruses or things that were sung every day on the way up to the temple once you've actually reached the city. I think we're in the middle of those right now. Yeah, we are. I did a little research on this particular psalm. Why are they reciting this particular psalm? I wanted to know, what is this psalm traditionally used for? And it was very interesting to me. It is typically recited in a time when they call grace after the meal. And it's Birkat Hamazon. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. On ordinary weekdays, they just have a traditional thing that they say. But these are like on special occasions, like on Shabbat or Passover meals, holidays. They recite this particular psalm after a meal. I don't know particularly why it doesn't necessarily say that, but just that it is a song of celebration, a song of remembrance, a song of thanksgiving for provision. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah. The songs that we sing going up to the temple, they really are special occasion songs. They ought to be preparing us, invigorating us for the worship to come. Mm -hmm. So it's like worship before the worship. And if it comes after a meal, it's kind of a blessing on the sustenance that God's provided for you, mm-hmm. you're happy. I mean, everything about this particular psalm sounds happy. No fear. No, they're mm-hmm. just celebrating things that have triumphed over all of those adversities in, in past generations. Yeah. Let's go ahead and just read it now, and then we'll talk about it. I'm going to read from The Voice. Remember when the Eternal brought back the exiles to Zion? It was as if we were dreaming. Our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were spilling over into the song. The word went out across the prairies and deserts, across the hills, over the oceans wide, from nation to nation. The Eternal has done remarkable things for them. We shook our heads. All of us were stunned. The Eternal has done remarkable things for us. We are beyond happy, beyond joyful. And now, Eternal One, Some are held captive and poor. Release them. Restore our fortunes as the dry riverbeds of the south spring to life when the rains come at last. Those who walk the fields to sow, casting their seed in tears, will one day tread those same long rows, amazed by what's appeared. Those who weep as they walk and plant with sighs will return singing with joy when they bring home the harvest. Now, maybe I should qualify myself by saying that I don't see this as being a mournful psalm, Mm -hmm. but there is a sense here where what is sorrowful is being transformed. 
And we're left with, I think, an emotion that is not about sorrow. It's not about mourning. It's about the fruit that comes from the things we sow. Mm-hmm. But I think it's probably fair to say that we should spend some time talking about what it means to sow in tears or to go forth weeping and return then with a basketful of fruit or shouts of joy. I don't know that it always happens that way in people's lives, but they're certainly saying that on behalf of the nation of Israel, they're roping in the history of their ancestors into their own personal emotional experience. Because when they say we, they're not just talking about the we that is right there on that step that day. Mm -hmm. They're talking about all the people that went before them that went through these things. And it says that we celebrated, we were stunned when God did these great things. Obviously, the children and the young people walking these steps, even if the poem had only been written a few years before, probably did not see these things happen. Right. But they allow it to be their collective memory, too. And so, based on that, they come from these people that experience these things. They want to praise God in their generation. Mm -hmm. I do wonder how much we invest in our kids that way, of saying, it's not just what happened to us, guys. It is your legacy. Mm -hmm. It is what God did for you. So you could be here today. And that's worth praising. Yeah. I think it's important for us as parents to talk to our kids about where they come from. Mm. And I do believe that we spend time doing that. You know, we talk about my parents are both gone. We talk about them and, and what, you know, doting grandparents they were and how they absolutely love their family. And we talk about your family and and your parents and your legacy of of missionaries to Africa, great aunts and others in your family who have served God so faithfully through their lives and what that means and and the joy that that brings us to know that these are people that we come from. That's what they're doing in this psalm. They're saying, these are the people that we come from. We come from these situations that were dire and desperate. I mean, you know, some in my family back in, in Texas in the late 1800s, early 1900s were very poor sharecroppers. Yeah. And looking at their lives and, and the legacy that comes from that and how it is built up into a, an ethic of work that was just backbreaking, yes, but also satisfying in that seeing the fruit of their labor yeah. come, you know, come out of the ground. These verses of sowing in tears and reaping in joy, those really resonate with me because so much of what happens in life, the hard things, there are a lot of tears and our tears really can water those deep, dark desert places yeah. in our lives and bring forth some fruit that hopefully we'll see in our in our lives yeah. as well. And obviously they do see it in their history, their legacy. So they're celebrating those things. If I dig a little deeper into the concept of sowing in tears, my first read is that this is about what they did for themselves. That if you go out to your field and you sow in tears because you are already in sorrow. Mm. Something has happened that makes you focus on the thing you're sorrowful about. You're mourning something, but yet you still have to go to the field to plant. Yeah. And in doing so, it's a hopeful act. It doesn't feel great, but you know you have to do it or you're not going to eat at the end of the year. If it really was all about just you and your family, your community, then I would read those couple of verses in just that way. This is about what we go through before we even go about doing the thing we have to do. Mm -hmm. But I think there's something else here that they're hinting at the very first line of this psalm. When the Lord brought home the captives to Zion. I would think that the Israelites that were coming up to the temple and singing this song are really singing a song about captivity, about being slaves, Mm. being enslaved to something that you did not choose. And of course, their history is, is rife with 
ascension to power and glory and then crushing defeats, being put into slavery for hundreds of years, being brought out of slavery and restored and become a people, become a nation, and then being taken back into slavery. It is tidal waves in their national history, back and forth between what seems ultimately free and what seems to be ultimately disastrous. The word in modern English language you translate is Holocaust. They've gone through Holocausts a number of times, and they embody that. Even modern-day Israelis identify with that concept of the Holocaust being something that is ever-present, and so it informs and directs their behavior even now. Mm-hmm. Without praise, without the hope of things correcting themselves, without the hope of God showing up and being present and blessing his people, I would think you would spend all of your days, all of your future history, being haunted by the things you've lost, mm. the regrets, the grievances of things lost. Mm-hmm. This psalm seems to be forcing them to choose a different perspective. If you looked back on your family history and knew that they had gone through horrible things, it would be devastating to really learn that really happened to my people. It's nothing like the devastation they felt, of course, when they were going through it, but yet it's a rude awakening. This is what happens to people like me. Mm-hmm. But the people of the past are informing the people of the present. No, it doesn't end there. Even if you're hauling seed to plant somebody else's field, Mm -hmm. even if you are having to bear a load you didn't want to bear, even if you're in a country growing a crop that is not yours, still, God does something, can do something. In this case, they reap. Even if they're not reaping for themselves, they'll do it with songs of joy because God is with them in that, too. Mm -hmm. So perhaps we are talking about what is a rightful mourning in the mm-hmm. psalm. And that away from it, with the distance of time, that it become a joyful song itself. Not just the lesson of the psalm can bring us joy, but the experience of actually singing the song together is joyful in itself. Mm-hmm. So I see a lot of layers happening here yeah. on the kind of liberation that joy brings us. I think it's pretty clear that they're saying that the Lord himself is the one that brings water to the streams and the dry places. Mm -hmm. He brings joy to our lungs and laughter to our lips. And that we give him honor and praise because he did these things for us. It's a declaration of God's mercy and sovereignty over this people. They're talking about being stunned Mm. at the things that God has done. And I love that it says, our mouths were filled with laughter. Our tongues were spilling over with song. And those around us were in shock about what was happening. And they couldn't help but be excited about it themselves. Whether getting Bibles into closed countries, relief supplies into dangerous refugee camps, or providing training and theology books to barefoot pastors as they begin their ministry. These are all the kind of things we love to share with you every day. And more importantly, they're the kind of things we like to do. The first and best way to reach us is through our website, CompassionRadio.com. You can also support us with a call during Pacific Time business hours at 1-800-868-2478. You can also text COMPASSION to 53445 to give right through your phone no matter where you are. And note our new mailing address, which is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We so much value your messages and letters. And know this, your gift is deeply appreciated. Thank you for loving us in this way. We give him honor and praise because he did these things for us. It's a declaration 
of God's mercy and sovereignty over this people. They're talking about being stunned mm. at the things that God has done. And I love that it says, our mouths were filled with laughter. Yeah. Our tongues were spilling over with song. And those around us were in shock about what was happening. And they couldn't help but be excited about it themselves. It's like a dream come true. Mm. One, one of the translations says, maybe we've all experienced that sometime. When we've been in a place of bondage, mm. maybe, if you want to call it that. Or we can't see it as being anything but bondage. Yeah. Or desperation. Yeah. I think most of us have felt that, a deep darkness or depression, which mm. feels like a bondage. Yeah. And is in many cases. And then to come to a place where through your deep work internally, through medications if necessary, through the way God provides those things and how we are brought to a place of enlightenment, maybe. Mm. And we can then look back and say, I'm stunned that I actually made it through that. Yeah, maybe that's where the stun mostly is. We actually survived this. That's also another way to look at this psalm as a very personal thing. I mean, mm-hmm. we talked about a group, we talked about the broader perspective of a nation, and now an internal place in our own lives that we can say, this is my journey also. This is where I was in a place that was so hard to see any way out of, to see any relief, any release, any freedom. Mm-hmm. And somehow now I'm there. Yeah. And I can look back and say, God, you did this. Having spent some time in the Holy Land ourselves over the years, and me personally back in 1983, I got to walk these very steps Hmm. before the walls were up and dividing the Holy Land throughout the southern part of Jerusalem. Having walked up the steps to the city of David and beyond that, it was not hard to imagine people not unlike me, thousands of years ago, standing in this place, singing those songs. So you don't have to use a whole lot of imagination to put yourself in the place or in their sandals standing there and feeling the heat of the morning sun on your back and looking up to say, what's beyond that next rise? We're going to see the temple. I had to admit, too, though, that my expectations are quite a bit different. I wasn't worried about the restoration of my nation, my identity, my citizenship, like most Israelis would be over all those centuries. I already knew I was a member of a kingdom that had been established by a rabbi from this land, Mm. and that I was a member of something that began at the beginning of time and will never end. I had a sense of belonging already that even as a teenager, climbing those steps reminded me I'm already in, and I can never be taken out. Mm -hmm. And that assurance to me made some of these kind of songs lighter for me. I didn't have to think about bondage because I hadn't personally been through bondage that I knew of. You know, in modern theology... We would probably say that the word bondage we would use most in terms of its relationship to sin. And we speak in evangelical circles about being in bondage to sin. And that is about the only bondage we can think of nowadays. You know, but there are generations of people that live among us, descendants of slaves in America, or people that have been bought out of slavery in other countries. It's not that far back in their history where they know somebody or talk with somebody who actually was born a slave or was enslaved and forced against their will to work for other people. So it's a living memory in that regard that the families still recall the the events that led to this. And there's a celebration down in Texas, which has now become a national holiday in the past few years. That's called Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that particular episode in slave history in America is that the people of greater Texas were not informed of the Emancipation Proclamation, didn't hear a thing about it. 
And it was more than a year Mm -hmm. after the end of the Civil War before anybody even had a hint that they had been released from their bondage officially by the government that had won the war. Mm -hmm. And the stories that come out of that, when the word got out, it spread like wildfire. Right. And as it did, the people didn't rush to the, the capital in Austin or down to Houston to protest for things. When the word went out, they immediately went to the center of their communities and started throwing a celebration. Right. And everywhere across the state of Texas, everywhere that the word got out that there had been slaves, they were free for the first time to openly celebrate and be who they were mm-hmm. without consequence, without fear of being punished for simply being out walking the streets. Right. And at least for that one moment... It was a big deal that the black people in the South, especially Texas, could simply sing for joy without being punished for it. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of stories, too, of their neighbors coming out to celebrate with them who didn't lose everything by losing their slaves, but believed that there was a dawning of a new day. So that, to me, even our own history as a nation, we can kind of figure out what it was like for those first Israelis walking up those steps after the return to the Holy Land of their own and walking these steps and realizing no one else around can believe this actually happened, but we're back. Mm -hmm. We haven't disappeared. We haven't been wiped off the earth. We're here. Mm -hmm. Thank God. Mm. Yeah, that is, that is a moving analogy and it it rings true with me because I remember those celebrations growing up in Texas Mm. and seeing how friends of mine would celebrate that. And I, as I have to admit, as a young girl, I didn't really understand it, but having had conversations later in life with these friends that were celebrating this in their families is a beautiful thing. And I could say, yeah, I could join in. I could agree with them. And it was quite a celebration. It was a feast. It was a party. It was, it was big. It was a parade. And that's a beautiful thing to celebrate freedom. And some of the foods they celebrate across Texas that are part of the Tex-Mex style of cooking came from these celebrations mm-hmm. over 100 years. It became as part of the whole fabric of life in Texas. Yeah. You know, honey, this is also a good reminder to me to celebrate those small freedoms that mm. we experience. To just be reminded in my heart, in my mind, that there are people all around me that celebrate the small victories, the small liberations in our lives that we've been held captive to reminding ourselves that God is taking us on a journey. He is working in our lives in a constant way that moves us further up the steps Mm -hmm. toward him, the Psalms of Ascent, moving us toward the temple, toward the holiest of places. Now, as believers, after Jesus was here, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We are the temple. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we don't live like we're the temple. (laughs) And we need to be reminded that we are the temple and that worship can take place constantly, even in those small bondages or those dark places. There's still a reason we have to find that turns our hearts toward God. Yeah. And being reminded by others that these are victories. These are things that God has done. These are the kind of things that God does do. These are the things that God will continue to do. And believing that testimony mm-hmm. gives real hope. Yeah, We start pursuing a God that we believe might be there for me in that moment yeah. when I need a deliverer, yeah. when I need liberation. Yeah. I would encourage each of us to remind those around us that we know are struggling of the small victories that they have won, that they have endured. I'm not great at receiving that. You, Bram, are great at, at offering that and giving me those 
encouragements. It's hard to receive them sometimes because when I'm stuck in a place, but they go in, somehow they rattle around in my brain and eventually I do hear them. And and I would just encourage people to continue that kind of encouragement. Continue to celebrate those victories of people around you that are struggling. Mm. Well, friends, imagine that you're standing with us. Modern day, 2024, maybe it's before a celebration of feasts, you know, reenacting something like, like a Renaissance fair is done here in America. We're doing the same thing in Israel now, reliving this feast mm. day. We're walking up together on these steps and we're stopping and being led by our cantor to sing this psalm on this particular step. So we do. But we're removed far away from the generations that wrote this song. And yet we celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, what God will continue to do. And in so doing, we have to ask ourselves a really important question. What do I expect of God today? Mm -hmm. And what does God want to tell me today about how true this is for me? And that's where I think the scripture starts really making some inroads into our hearts and becoming true for us because it's not really true in our hearts and mind until it's true for us. We really don't buy in. We don't Mm. believe. We don't have what we would call saving faith, that what I'm reading, what I'm hearing here in the scripture is really for me. The entire Bible wasn't written specifically just for you, that no one else can enter into it like you can. But the point is that we so often think we can't enter in because it's for somebody else, or even if it is true, it's not for me. We get stuck there, like you were saying, honey. And that is a liberation in itself to allow God to literally speak to me to say, I spent all of eternity getting ready for this book to be in your lap today for you to read these verses. What are you going to do with it? This is my gift to you today. I just want to go back to verse five for closing thoughts here. Just that if you are in a place of sowing in tears, you're walking the fields of life and you're sowing, you're casting out, you're doing the work and it's tearful, backbreaking, hard work. Just to keep reading in this where it says, those who walk the fields to sow, casting their seed in tears will one day tread those same long rows, amazed by what's appeared. The fruit of your labor will appear and you weep as you walk and you plant with deep sighs, the scripture says. And then it says an imperative, you will return singing with joy because they'll bring home the harvest. Yeah. And sometimes that's a joy that comes from knowing the harvest will come because God promises it will, even if we can't see, but the first shoots of stuff may come out of the ground. I think Paul talking to the church around the Roman Empire, you know, I planted, Paulus watered, others came along and taught and raised up. Others will harvest this crop, but together we are Mm -hmm. the body. I think there's plenty of time, but we just don't believe we'll be the ones to have that kind of joy then. Yeah. There's a great old song called Bringing in the Sheaves. (laughs) Yeah, I remember that one. And that's where this comes from, these very verses. It comes from that. I remember singing that as a girl at, uh, you know, camp meetings or Rush Arbor revivals. And it is a great song to remind me that, you know, they will come rejoicing, bringing in the sheaves. Well, friends, I believe we will all someday be able to celebrate what came in from that harvest in our lives and the lives of people we love the people we're investing in right now, the hopes that we have for the future. Wherever you are in this process, in this progression, we do pray that you will turn with us to the Word and expect God to say things to you. 
And that's where we'll leave it today on Compassion Radio is Chasing the Word. Remember that every Chasing the Word episode that we have, we'll have a study guide available to you to download and go through it with a friend yourself. Just learn more about the Word and what it means for you and share with somebody else. The study guides can be very helpful in, in guiding you through the kind of questions that are worth asking, some thoughts that are worth pondering. And it's free for you there at CompassionRadio.com. Thanks so much, friends, for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow. Remember, friends, Compassion Radio is always a coalition of the willing. Are you willing to help get out God's good news stories of the kingdom really living the gospel in the 21st century? Oh, I hope so. Just visit our website, CompassionRadio.com, or call our toll-free order line, 1-800-868-2478. And our mailing address is P.O. Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. Again, that's Box 77160, Corona, California, 92877. We need you, friend, so contact us today.